0: About five or six weeks ago, I was helping my son-in-law and grandson uh, clear the leaves in their yard in Franklin. Their house (coughs) was built in what had been a grove of post oaks. And uh, this meant lots of leaves and also lots of acorns as well. And uh, I took a pocket of those acorns Didn't know quite what I was going to do them until two or three weeks ago, uh, we decided to plant them in pots and give a, a little acorn tree, or at least a little oak tree, to each of our four grandchildren. Now, acorns are tiny, misshapen orbs with an enormous amount of potential when we're clearing up after the summer and uh, after the leaves have dropped and the acorns have dropped, they are a nuisance. When we lived in Sewanee, we had 21 acorn, uh, uh, oak trees on our property and they were an enormous nuisance. But yet, if you look beyond the fact that they are so much litter to us if we're trying to keep our yard clean and tidy, Treated properly, they become towering oak trees. There is so much potential which is packed in that little ugly orb. Hundreds of years of life is there. The oaks of old England won the British Empire because the ships of the Royal Navy were made out of oak trees. And if you get the opportunity to drive through Windsor Great Park, there are still ancient oak trees there, which were there when oaks were being cut down and sent to the shipbuilders to build the ships. All of us watched on the television as Notre Dame Cathedral burned just before Easter. And the flames were so intense because the roof was made out of oak trees gathered from all over Northern France hundreds of years ago. And we saw the power that there was in the flames. And now the French are trying to work out how to re-roof the place again, because those oak trees, those planks of oak wood are absolutely irreplaceable. Now use that illustration because the prologue, the opening verses of John's gospel are like an acorn. Acorn. Those 18 verses summarize the whole gospel of the whole Bible. I've got a commentary at home of John's gospel written by a Scotsman. And the first 18 verses take up the whole of the first volume, which is the larger of the two volumes. The 20-something chapters after that take up the second volume. And what John is doing is to tell the story of Jesus within the context of the whole Bible. If you remember, the book of Genesis begins with the words, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. So when John writes, he sets it in context with Jesus. In the beginning was the word, which was his way of describing Jesus. And the word was with God, and the Word was God. So at the beginning when the Father was creating, the Word which brought everything into being was Jesus himself. Jesus was the Word who was with the Father and with the Holy Spirit in creation and bringing all things into life through him. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in a humble, humble place, he surrendered his majesty to come among us, to teach us, to heal us, and to redeem us. Now, the baby of Bethlehem that uh, appears in so much Christian imagery may have been cute and cuddly. And he very likely had that soft, sweet baby smell, which they all have at the very beginning. I know other smells come along later, but the beginning, uh, babies had that very sweet smell. But that baby was in a way like an acorn, bursting with divine potential. God becoming man, man who was God. The God who created all things, created light out of darkness and came into the world in the person of the sun to bring us light. The light that enlightens everyone had come into the world with the birth of Jesus Christ. A world which was broken, a world which was rebellious, a world which was dishonest, a world which was sinful. And he came into the world to bring transformation, to bring everlasting change. He was not some kind of superhero. But he emptied himself. That is, he poured out from himself everything that was of heaven in order to be among us here on earth. So that the darkness that had fallen over the world might be dispelled for all eternity. As John says, the light shines in darkness, but the darkness does not overcome it. That baby, that tiny point of light, that tiny like an acorn child, was insignificant, or at least appeared insignificant in the world at that time. But in many ways, and metaphors and similes are inadequate. He was like a mighty supernova about to burst forth. I heard on the radio, or, was, or I read or somewhere just, just a few days ago, that the star Betelgeuse may well be itself building up to become a supernova. And we may see that this year and it will brighten the sky. But the darkness does not overcome Christ. John sums up Jesus from the opening words of Genesis. In the beginning was Jesus. Right the way through to the final words of Scripture, which he actually wrote because he wrote the book of Revelation as well. He was born in the Roman Empire in what Lee called last week a frontier province, and that's about the best way of describing it, that tended towards tyranny, that vaunted itself for its power. And yet the true source of hope and power was that baby born in Bethlehem who would grow to be the savior of the world. He was a source of hope that would at the end draw all threads together. And he would stand with Christians as they suffered and with Christians as they made him known to all. The prayer at the very end of the book of Revelation is the word Maranatha, which means come Lord Jesus. And John talks to us at the beginning of, of John's gospel not about him coming again, but his coming to us that he might be our redeemer. And he came from Bethlehem to Galilee to Jerusalem and then on to Calvary. And after the cross, there was the open tomb. And that went on to his ascension and the sending of the Holy Spirit, which was that acorn set to open up and send out its first bright rays of light into all the world. There's something much more significant going on here in Bethlehem than there was in Caesar's palace in Rome, or in Herod's palace in Jerusalem, or to bring it a bit more up-to-date, in the Kremlin, in Beijing, in the Houses of Parliament in London, in the White House, or in the Pentagon. The true light that enlightens everyone was come into the world in the person of Jesus, our Savior and our Redeemer. And he was a dazzling white, bright light. He was transforming He was God's greatest gift to us and to all humankind. And that's what we celebrate. That's what we continue to celebrate during this season of Christmas. Christ asked us, what are you going to do about what I have done for you? That's a good question to carry into the new year. What are you going to do for what I have done for you? And each of us will answer it very differently. But each of us, I pray, will ask the question and seek to answer it. Amen.